1: It is always game day, although it feels like it's always Deshaun Watson day on this podcast and across sports periodicals and podcasts and sports talk and sports TV, man. The story of Deshaun Watson. Seems to be never ending right now. Again, it's always game day in Cleveland. Glad to have you on board. My name is Andy Baskin. His name is Daryl Ryder, the Browns beat reporter for ninety two three The Fan. And if you like what you're hearing, and we love the fact that we're hearing more feedback after every podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. Daryl, a day doesn't turn now where it doesn't seem like it, it doesn't feel like you get massive amounts of information. But every day is about Deshaun Watson, and the latest turn um, starts with the New York Times article and and then it takes us to where we have to ask the questions especially you when you're out of Browns camp to Kevin Stefanski and just who has to answer the questions on the Browns end
2: yeah we should probably rename the podcast it's Groundhog Day because that's what it feels like um it yeah I mean more information continues to come out uh legitimate questions about what the Browns did or did not know need to be asked Unfortunately, Kevin Stefanski is left twisted in the wind to answer him. And last time I checked, um, he didn't make the trade. He didn't sign off on the trade. That's ownership. That's Andrew Barry. Uh, And and quite frankly, I think those people need to be out out front taking some of these questions. Um, I, I just, out of respect for Kevin, I mean, look, he has been professional and respectful and understanding that we do have. A job to do, and uh, we have to ask those uh, uncomfortable, difficult questions. But I just feel like it's unfair that he's the one every week that has to answer for ownership and Andrew Berry, and same for the you know teammates too. I mean, because we're, we're, we're asking everyone uh, that we get an opportunity to talk to uh, about Deshaun Watson, because again, uh, ownership isn't available. Uh, Barry's not available and, uh, Watson's not available. And certainly I understand, uh, Watson not being available just from a legal standpoint, uh, you know, everything right. uh, that, that he says could potentially be used a- a- against him. So there's a little protection there. So I, I certainly respect that, but, um, yeah, especially after that New York Times piece this week and the fact that now the Houston Texans are a def- named defendant along with Watson, in these lawsuits, just more and more questions beg to be asked.
1: All right, let's, uh, let's give folks a feel for what it's like to be out in Berea because we were talking about this. Pretty much every question that Kevin Stefanski has asked is going to come out with this answer. Yeah, I understand the question. For me, I'm going to be respectful of the investigation of the legal proceedings. I'm going to let that play out. Boom, that's it. Get ready because that's what you're going to hear for the next year. The questions are still going to come, but the answer is still going to be the same. And you're right. I mean, why is Kevin Stefanski put in this spot? Where is it? Who else could be answering these questions? It's almost like the 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 team should put a team spokesman or a team lawyer out there on the podium every OTA, every mini camp, and probably during training camp itself to answer questions about Deshaun Watson because it's not fair to Kevin Stefanski. I mean, like, I listen to this, the, uh, every one of these press conferences, and it's like, man, what's Kevin supposed to say? I can only coach the players I have out on the field, and, you know, I, I know you – I respect the fact that you may have other questions about the future of what we're doing here, but when it comes to Deshaun Watson, I'm not a lawyer. I'm a football coach. And my job is to get these guys ready for the season. And until they tell me someone is ineligible to play, I assume they can play. I don't know what else Kevin can do in this spot. And I, I also wonder, you know, you're not going to throw Jimmy Haslam out at every press conference. You're not going to throw Andrew Brown out at every press conference. They just don't do that. But I, I don't know. Is, do you have an answer for what they can do and how to answer questions? Because they're going to come every time there's availability to talk to anyone from the organization.
2: Yeah, I, I, look, um, and and I wrote this this week that uh, how unfair I felt that it is to Kevin Stefanski for him to be in this position where he has to be the de facto spokesperson uh, for the organization, and quite frankly, I just, I, I just, I, I just, I don't think it's right. I don't think it's fair. Um, I, I, again, um, I, I think that he's doing the best job he can do, uh, to handle it. Uh, and be the the public face of this, but he shouldn't be the public face of this. The Haslam should be the public face of this. Andrew Barry should be the public face of this. You made the trade. You brought this guy here. You're the ones that sat up there in March and said, hey, we did a deep dive and investigation into his background, and we are comfortable with the person that we are bringing to Cleveland to be the face of this franchise. And you know what? As the more information comes out, either via reporting or additional lawsuits, right, or accusations, the less and less it looks like the Browns did much of an investigation. And somebody needs to be held accountable for that. And somebody needs to answer for that. And that person shouldn't be Kevin Stefanski. But it's crickets from the organization. You know, um, you know. I reached out at, to the organization after the— uh, New York Times piece came out and I just said, hey, man, you guys did this big extensive background check on uh, Deshaun Watson. Did you know that the the scope of this thing could have involved at least 66 women? Key word now is at least because it's sounding like there's even more than just 66 women. Now, let's be clear. That's not 66 women that are suing Deshaun Watson. It is 66 women that he has allegedly sought massage, quote, therapy, end quote, from over a 17-month period. That's beyond ludicrous, okay? And the other part that doesn't look so good for Deshaun Watson is that he wasn't hiring men. There are male masseuses that handle these type of things. No, he was targeting women to do these massages that start out somewhat benign allegedly and then um, as we've seen in some of these allegations the second and third uh, appointments is where things um, uh, get uh, inappropriate and um, the, and another part of this too is you know if I read each of the 24 allegations m- made against Deshaun Watson I thought Rich Eisen made a, 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 a great point this week On his national radio and TV show. I can't. I'm violating FCC uh, decency laws and company standards and practices. I can't even read verbatim from the legal court filings the accusations that are made against Deshaun Watson because that's how gross and vile they are. So there's just, there's a lot to this. And it seems that every week, Andy, there is just more and more and more being piled on. And the question begs to be asked, and we deserve some sort of an answer other than respecting the legal process about what the Browns knew. And I understand why we don't have that answer, because guess what? There's no right answer. The Browns can't say, yes, our investigative process did reveal this in what the New York Times was able to uncover, because then it makes them look bad for bringing the guy here, right? Because then you say, well, and you still made the trade? and th- Or they can't say, no, this is news to us, similar to Watson's attorney uh, last Friday when uh, the 24th lawsuit was filed and he issued that statement in which he said that they needed time to research the allegations because was news to them, right? Right. Um, Because then you say, well, then what the hell kind of investigation did you conduct as an organization before making such an impactful trade? So there is, unfortunately for the Browns, they are stuck between a rock and a hard place. There's no right answer to give to these difficult questions. But it's hard for me to have any sympathy for them for being in this situation because, well, they put themselves here. So tough cookies. You made the trade, you brought this guy here, what he is accused of, keyword accused of, um, is vile and disgusting, but um and there there's just they're, there's no one really to to answer these questions openly and honestly. And uh, it 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 is just a very uh messy situation that the Cleveland Browns have sub- subjected themselves to and that is 100% Andrew Berry's fault and it's 100% the fault of the Haslam Sports Group because they signed up for it, they signed off on it, so you get what you get.
1: All right, a lot of stuff to digest on what you just said. Let me let me go back and just touch on a couple of things that you talked about there. We had Mike Florio on the show on our regular daily show with Jeff Phelps, um, and Florio said that there there might be up to a hundred different masseuses or more than a hundred different masseuses that Watson may have used. Now that's not illegal. I mean, you can use as many as you want. It's just it just it, it kind of. It sends the story in one direction. So just just for point of reference, uh, Florio said that too. Also, I'm not quite – and I love Rich Eisen. I think Rich is great, but what Rich is saying – now, you at your own network, you can have your own standards and practices, and that's great. But the FCC violation thing is just not – it's not true. The FCC violation only holds true to over-the-air entities, which would be like your 358 and 19 or, or PBS or anything, and then – in that scenario they could talk about some of the things that happened in a news purpose sense just to just to clarify if NFL network wanted to go out there and read what's in this testimony they absolutely could they are a cable channel satellite channel not governed by the same rules as fcc uh, fcc stations like we are at 923 the fan i mean darrell if we wanted to drop a thousand f bombs right now on this podcast we are allowed to and there's no fcc regulation but standards and decency among you or me or our company, Odyssey, which owns us, um, is just that's the way we we talk because it's just there's no reason to have to to go down that line. Right. So just just for pure clarity, that is only for over-the-air stations which you would get uh, through an antenna. I mean, so uh, just uh, that's just a point. of So reference. on Baskin so on and Felt, you guys
2: said, can't you guys can't read that stuff.
1: <laughs> um, you know, you could make the argument with the FCC, and you really don't want to get into the situation, right? But, that's Even, the, it's, and it's I think burning. that's that's the like, point, right? It, yeah, it is in news. 20, in, a, in a 2020, you could because you're doing news, but it's a fine line and you really don't feel like dealing, messing with the FCC. Ask yeah. the stations that got fined during the Cavaliers uh, parade. parade when LeBron decided to drop, I don't know, six F-bombs. And some I've of the stations did
2: I stopped counting after three. <laughs>
1: no, it is int- – I, I mean, just a little uh, inside baseball and that stuff too, that the only way a station can get fined is if someone turns them in to the FCC right. on that. And then um, you have to say your name to the FCC to get the right. – to have a station violate, And the fines are through the roof, man. You do not want to walk down that road. Anyway, let, let, getting back to the story and not, not the sidebar stuff, that he, I think what's interesting when you go to the Jenny Vredis case – or Jenny Vredis story from – The New York Times is she she brings uh, the Houston Texans into the story, and this is the first time that I've really noticed any of that because in the piece she uh, she says that the Texans provided a hotel spa for him, and then also that hotel security or not hotel security, Houston security, which all the teams have. I mean, let's face it, there are a lot of issues that NFL teams go into that no one knows anything about because they're private and. You know they just, but they do have their own security people, and many the team of security
2: people do a lot of work yeah. behind the scenes, cleaning up messes yes. that no one ever uh, hears about. They get players out of a lot of jams with law enforcement, and okay. when and I say a, a when I say a lot of jams, I'm not exaggerating. A lot of jams, like that's one of their primary jobs, is to keep their people uh, out of the news of the, and yeah. off the blotters. And the court. And that's hockeys,
1: not if possible, that's not yeah. That's not just NFL teams. That's almost all professional sports teams. I mean, NBA has it. Um, and, and normally what it is. And, you know, when you look at like even when the Browns started, I mean, they, they were hiring guys from the FBI to run their security. Well, They, they used to I have mean, the,
2: the head of the former head of the Secret Service. Right. Lou. Uh, Lou uh, Berletti. Yeah. Uh, oh, and uh, security uh, details in that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And oh, so, trust me. You go out to Berea right now, that place is more secure than the United States Capitol Building. Let me tell you.
1: And, and they're paid for again, it. I again, mean, not
2: an exaggeration.
1: <laughs> yeah. Where do Secret Service go, guys go to retire? Professional sports teams yeah. or FBI guys. So, then, this is why I'm really, really curious because, you know, in Jenny's piece, she said that that's the the person that they used um, to, to get the non-disclosure Stuff moving for when Deshaun decided he wanted to go see a masseuse. So that they were involved, and that's now why um, the plaintiffs in this case are bringing Houston into it. I mean, it makes sense after the story because that was the first thing I read. Now, my question then, Daryl, became – and this is after reading the New York Times piece again – that if if what she's saying is correct, that they use their security to kind of see what was going on with Deshaun and maybe help him out as far as providing these non-disclosure things, don't you think security from security talks in the NFL? And, I, like, I'm wondering if if Houston disclosed that to the Browns prior to the trade. Because now you're getting into an area where if if they knew stuff that was going on and didn't provide some of that information to the Browns, especially during a background track where they knew their lawyers are saying, whatever you do, don't talk to the plaintiffs, it does, is Houston – was Houston hiding something from the Browns when they made the trade when the Browns thought they did all their due diligence? Now, I mean, I was getting all kinds of texts like, why doesn't the New York Times do the uh, do the background checks on these players? Because clearly it didn't seem like it worked for them with Deshaun Watson. But the, the, the question that goes into this, and now I think it's really interesting that Houston's a part of this, is that if Houston knew stuff and didn't tell the Browns prior to the trade, is it possible that the trade could be voided?
2: no the the trade is not going to be voided I, I that's just not going to happen
1: oh um, i i we can both say it's not going to happen but it does put that out there that if houston had information that they weren't sharing with cleveland about any of this stuff you know uh, you know it's like i i mean we don't care when it's a physical when it's a physical yeah the, the trade's pending and physical get that well i mean this is some pretty heavy stuff and if they didn't give up some information the Browns could say, hey, wait a minute. Guys, you knew all this stuff was going on and didn't let us know any of this? Now, it depends on how much information is there. I do think the Browns are – like, I think the Browns are stuck for the draft picks. I think they're they're stuck for a lot of stuff. But it does come to question that now that Houston is a part of the lawsuit, I, I, I'm telling you, that's the number one question I've had over the last 24 hours. Could this trade be voided?
2: Yeah, no, it, I I don't think it can be voided. Um Number one, uh, the 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 other you know part of this too is you know as far as the the Texans' alleged involvement with the the, the not providing him with the, the suite or the the non disclosure uh, agreement for him to use uh, with these therapists, I think that the real story here too is um, why did Deshaun Watson after getting the contract extension from the Texans all of the sudden do a 180 and request a trade, which led him, or I should say, which led to him not playing during the 2021 season? Is That's it a because? Great question. Is it really because, and I'm not talking about what the, the public thing is, right? The public thing is, is that, well, he requested a trade, so we, you know, uh, sat him out or whatever. No, right. uh, you know, m- number one question would be, did the Houston Texans cut him off? Is that is that what angered Deshaun Watson and and led to him wanting out of the Houston Texans? Like all of a sudden, I think that becomes a relative, uh, re- very relevant question to ask, right? Um, right. W- to your point about what did the Houston Texans know uh, about this alleged behavior that he was engaging in? You know, did did they know? And then did they decide, okay, we to protect ourselves, we gotta. Cut him off. We we can't facilitate this. So I think that's a question that needs to be asked, is what was really, truly at the heart of Deshaun Watson requesting a trade from the Houston Texans months after he signed a lucrative contract extension with that franchise?
1: All right, uh, before we go on to the next step here, I want to ask you one more question. Mike Florio said he thought that if the Browns could go back to before the day they signed Deshaun, they wouldn't do it. What do you think? I would hope so. That they wouldn't? I would hope so,
2: but they did make the trade, and they did give him $230 million. So my faith in their moral compass is non-existent.
1: Fair enough. That's a good way to leave this first segment. All right, let's come back. I want to talk a little bit more – about things that are going on in Berea right now. And then the other story that, that is the outlier on this thing is Baker Mayfield. And there was news about Baker Mayfield this week as well. So, hey, if you like what you're listening to, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland podcast. We would love having you on board. Baker Mayfield, we'll talk about that next.